1: I, I am on the boiling point with two filmmakers. How did I end up in this position? This is a You position. know, I,
2: I, I've been on a lot of boiling uh, points with uh, multiple coaches, Dave. So I just wanted to, you know, spin the table uh, just one time. I, in fact, I think, I'm sure we've had other filmmakers on here. Oh, yeah. We, we sure. had Andrew Tibby on. Uh, hard to say who else. But uh, yeah, so this is a special day, Dave. And we're recording right now. So uh, wh- wh- how's your side of the river right now?
1: My side is uh, a little windy a little windy as I look out there but it would be hard it would be hard for me to be on the deck like um, both of you uh, because <laughs> just just uh, our vantage point would be yeah you wouldn't hear much of anything
2: so oh, Dave okay. Dave and I live on the uh, same river the Kennebec River uh, probably 20 30 kilometers apart from each other and uh, we are all the way from northern Idaho bringing in uh, a, a good new friend of mine. Uh, jimmy uh, Molots, and coming from
3: uh, let's go for the last name matlos, there you matlos.
2: Go. <laughs> did I oh god yeah matlos. it's okay sorry jimmy jeez you you, you butchered that one I I, I I even said my new friend so i i hope i got one credit for screwing <laughs> <Yes>. up
3: <laughs> you did and it's all good and from now on i will not correct you on the last name we'll just see how you butcher it yeah <laughs> i'm gonna stick with jimmy,
2: jimmy there you go <laughs> jimmy matlots <laughs> There we go. You're not going to say a thing. So, Jimmy, welcome to The Boiling Point. Um, what a pleasure. And I'm really excited to to connect you and Dave uh, as well, because um, you and I have had a chance to connect online and on Zoom on a, a number of uh, occasions because we connected via a, a blog that you read that I wrote and you yes. reached out to me. And for one little sliver of time, I was like, oh, my gosh, somebody is reading my my crazy content, my crazy ideas. And sure enough, uh, there's other people out there like me and uh, and uh, Dave. This was the article I talked about why I quit the film industry and all the uh, the bullying uh, that that came around it, etc. Jimmy, oh yeah, go ahead. But just before we, we, but
1: Greg, I just want to correct something. I believe that was a pretty well read piece. Not, not to take away from Jimmy reaching out to you, but I mean it was it was pretty. Uh, there was a number of views, as I understand.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was the the publication was Be the Change Media, and it was the I think it was one of their biggest stories they ever released, as far as how many people read it.
3: <laughs> and, and Jimmy was one of them. And well, uh... I, and it was sent to me by a friend, and it sat in my inbox. I I could arguably say for almost a year before I read it because I didn't want to read another one of those articles about somebody who was disgruntled with the film industry but when i read it it, it, i literally greg you struck every chord that i have experienced and seen in the last 30 years and kept scratching my head going why did i sit by and and allow this to happen to other people as well as gosh really why can't we fix this
2: yeah seriously man and uh isn't that an interesting lesson about you know when you observe something and you realize a change has to be made positive or negative whatever um but your decision to act or not act, how important of a decision that is for uh, uh, for so many di- different aspects of life. Um, so, Jimmy, why don't, why don't you give our, our audience a little background on you? Because you're, you're more than a filmmaker. You're uh, also a passionate uh, mentor, educator, if you will, passionate about uh, entrepreneurship in, uh, uh, within the film community. There's so many different areas of Jimmy. But uh, let's just hear from you.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of it led to just the fact that, you know, I wasn't one of those people that uh, graduated college, got a job as a cinematographer and made, you know, half a million a year. Uh, so because I had to to fight and claw to get to every single job I ever had, I created all these opportunities for myself. Uh, so beginning you know, with film graduation, I, I got, worked as a production assistant at a visual effects house, worked my way up, uh, worked as a high speed camera technician, kept working my way up, became a... Finally became a cinematographer, the second commercial I ever got paid to shoot. I directed and uh, always had this passion in my heart to be a a screenwriter. So I finally cracked that code in about 2009. Um, In the meantime, I'm the chairman of a cinematography award show through the union in uh, in the U.S., actually internationally, I guess, technically. Um, And uh, somewhere around somewhere in all that, somebody said to me, it was a mentoring program. You know, you're your own CEO and your own boss and, and you should run your business like a company. And that took 10 years to, to really digest, to understand. And then it became now that uh, entrepreneurship is such a big word in the vernacular of our of society, that, that struck a chord with me. And then, you know, because of podcasting, how cool you can learn about how another person started a company. And uh, it opened my eyes, I mean, to so many possibilities, to the point where I invented a product for the film industry. It's a new camera head, and I'm not going to reveal much because there the NDAs and there's too many people that have to sign those. But I went through the process of inventing something, drawing up plans, took, sat on my desk for 10 years, found two investors, and now we're building it.
2: Wow. Jimmy, th- this is huge because last time we spoke, you weren't in production yet but you 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 were about so this is very fresh oh
3: right? yeah Yep. Yeah. we uh i'm working with an engineer up here in north idaho who uh i guess i could reveal who he is he's the guy who who modernized the imax camera marty mueller oh geez um, he's an absolute gentleman and i and i laugh at the fact that his name is marty because he's kind of like doc brown so is he the <laughs> alter ego i don't know um <laughs> but he's an incredible human being and he took the project on and we're just having a lot of fun developing mechanisms and building something that may or may not change things we'll is not
2: that, that cool just like the fact that um you didn't know you were an entrepreneur throughout all these years of being a cinematographer but you were a freelancer which means you are an owner of a business which means you still got to hustle to get the gig which means you're an entrepreneur and then once you realize you're an entrepreneur, you started uh, thinking about innovation. Like, how do I make this product better? Or how do I make this job easier? And, yeah. and now you're, you're jumping into a whole new different game in the same industry, but uh, building a business. That's, that's incredible, man.
3: Yeah. And you touched on a couple of notes that I want to talk about there. And I've always tried to invent things uh, because of coming from visual effects, you're always building a, a rig or something that has to do something that doesn't exist off the shelf. Um, If you go, it's funny, if you go back and watch uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, not Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which is one where they made the baby larger. I built this giant motion control rig that controlled the giant stuffed bunny rabbit. And it was one of the last jobs I did. And it literally went, I had had wires that went up into the ceiling off pulleys. And it was kind of crazy. And so, you know, ever since those days, I just had that bug in me to make stuff. And I actually made a ring light at one time that was completely portable and you could put it in a Yugo if you wanted to, but it would open up to eight feet wide. Um, But yeah, and then touching on the other part of not really realizing I was an entrepreneur, not even realizing I was running a business. No clue. And I thought, well, is this only me? Because I went to community college and I went to a state school. I didn't go to any, you know, uh, great schools. Did I pay attention? Questionable. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things It's like you look at your kids and you're like, gosh I hope they pay more attention than I did <laughs> And if not, I'm going to give them the information <laughs> um, But I went around uh, Certainly filmmakers It's, and this is What brought us to this table Was, you, we had talked about doing A podcast and I said, well, what are we going to talk about And I had just uh, done this quick podcast With these young filmmakers Out of Chicago And I, and I just started riffing And we, I was talking about you know the whole sliding door Uh, philosophy of filmmaking you're hoping to randomly completely randomly run into someone who can help you become a filmmaker as a career and even if that's just being a grip and there's nothing wrong with being a grip i have plenty of grip friends that are just amazing and they make shit ton of money excuse the french uh and uh they do really well and they love their job but all the way through this entire, entire business nobody has a plan none there is no business plan when you go to film school and when you get out other than, and this is based upon a tiny bit of research. What I hear is most students go on to grad school. So you finish hundred thousand dollars plus of film school. Then you're going to grad school <laughs> was never an option for somebody like me, nor a lot of the you know, young folks who live in places like North Idaho or these smaller towns. Uh, you can get an internship. That wasn't an option for me when I graduated school. I had to work right away. My parents were not going to support me. Or you can get a job as a PA, which pays minimum wage. So i I've spoken to one professor, a very young professor. He's uh, he's in his 40s. He works at one of the big film schools. And I proposed this idea to him, and he said to me, "We should take this to the next level of teaching students in the entertainment who are studying entertainment arts." I mean, for me, it's film centric because that's what I know. The idea that you are your own boss, you're an entrepreneur and you better start looking at it that way from freshman year, if not before. Um, a lot of people were lucky enough to have, I know you're, you said your dad was in business uh, of some sort, correct? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a ski cycle and a wood stove company growing up.
3: Oh my gosh. He'd be my son's hero we have to have my son meet your dad. Um, But, uh, you know, for those people like me, it's like my dad was a fireman and he worked other jobs outside of that. But he he professed that people that own businesses were all doing really, really well. You know, they were all making a lot of money and that was his understanding of it um and you know my mom worked she was great i mean both my parents were amazing they were hard workers they knew how to work but they knew nothing about owning a business the irony is my grandfather actually owned a garage but nobody ever spoke of it he actually owned a gas station garage he was an amazing mechanic but we never spoke of it so for me it's like how many other people out there to this day in 2021 are still like that they have hard-working parents and maybe that kid's uh, got an idea or, you know, even an adult has an idea like someday I want to be my own boss and you don't have a mentor in your family or your household to show you the ropes. I, th- um,
1: I think that's a pretty, I think you're, I think you're right, Jimmy. Like I my sense, you even outside of, uh, you know, your world. Um, I mean, the idea of entrepreneurship is, is, is not, you know, not well understood. And um, it's interesting how people kind of, you know, find it if you will um and and some people seem like they're more maybe um you know kind of intuitively you know built in that way and just gravitate towards that and then other people they seem to find it um what i'm curious about is like what are you enjoying most about you know embracing this entrepreneurial side of yourself
3: um as greg could test those of us who are these outliers um which are a lot of filmmakers a lot of filmmakers are outliers, we wouldn't do the nine to five thing. We couldn't do the corporate thing and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of us like that. And there's people out there, even in corporate world that are like that. Um, and what it does is it feeds our soul. Uh, it's, it's, we're, we're not, I, I never wake up the same time any every day, ever. I, in 30 years, uh, the longest job I've had in, since I got, so when I worked at visual effects house, uh, that was, they let me go in 91 uh after that i worked on the nightmare before christmas that was a nine month job that's the longest job i've ever had in the last 30 years
2: one of my favorite movies ever made as well
3: oh wonderful <laughs> yeah and my, my experience on it was incredible by the way they do have a podcast called we know jack get and out an yep and i did an interview with them and it was fun we talked about and a lot of people talk about their experiences behind the camera
2: oh that's so, so cool
3: that's um, great. but i think for for people like myself uh it's feeding that insatiable desire to just constantly reinvent and to do things differently, uh, to, because we see things differently and, uh, take, take the risk. Um, so I have a friend of mine from college, uh, Paul and Paul works for Dolby labs, and he's an amazing human being. Um, and Paul and I were chatting yesterday. He said, the thing I love about working for Dolby is I have great benefits and a steady paycheck and, so on and so forth and he directed co-directed a film that i shot he's creative like myself but he likes the stability uh and you know i've raised a family i've raised two kids i've traveled all over i've been poor i've been rich i've you know one time i had a million dollars in the bank and then another time i had negative i kid you not negative over a million dollars in the bank (laughs) yes it wasn't in the bank it It was it happens it happens (laughs) Um, so one thing I did learn, and we had a business. uh, So the town I'm in is Sandpoint, Idaho, and the population is about 7500 of people that actually are registered here. Um, 75% of the lakefront is all vacation homes. So a lot of people just visit, but they do a lot of community stuff. And last night, we had a business uh, gathering, like a social. And yes, we we're more social here in a small town. Most people are vaccinated, that sort of thing. Um, I still try to keep my distance. It's That's why I live out in the middle of nowhere. Um, But I was chatting with some people there and the philosophy of a lot of people who aren't in business is that, actually, let me back that up. When you come from blue collar, having debt is like a sin. It's just looked down upon in a horrible way. Unless your debt is good debt, like you bought a car or you bought a house. But living in debt is terrible. And what I've learned over time Is that most business owners are in debt.
2: (laughs) Jimmy, that, uh, I I think that's more of an absolute.
3: (laughs) And most business owners are not pulling down, you know, 500 K a year. No, no. I mean, I, especially in the
2: entrepreneur side, like entrepreneurs are, you know, we're in the business to create. We are creatives. I've, I've connected entrepreneurship to uh, or entrepreneurs to artists all the time. We are creating something with a minimal amount of financial resources, uh, a minimal amount of human resources, and an idea with some customers. You know, and uh, you got to be scrappy. You know, and even the ones who are incredibly successful because they're entrepreneurs, they're going to be. They're always addicted to go further and more uh, creative and more innovative. So the next thing is going to uh, you know, need other sets of resources. So it's almost like entrepreneurs know how to navigate in, uh, you know, in, 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 worlds where other people will be kind of scared to like understanding how to leverage debt and be smart with debt and, uh, and understanding that you can do things scrappy on a small team where perhaps, you, you know, there's all these different things that I think it's a different type of personality that can thrive in entrepreneurship
3: yeah yeah and and what it comes down to is you you learn how to manage debt yeah um, or, or
2: you don't and you 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 yeah. learn and you eventually learn but uh, in a very uh, painful way
3: <laughs> yeah and that's not to say that's a good thing at all i mean ideally your business is in the black and and everyone's getting you know all the paychecks are flowing and you have all the resources you ever need um but and and dave you're welcome to pipe in at any moment because you come from this world and I'd love to hear your perspective. on Yeah,
1: that. no, no, I was just going to, I was going to say, um, I was just going to really agree with everything you're saying. And I was just, what was, what I was finding interesting is when you talk to the per- your friend that, um, you know, likes the stability um, and, and that's, you know, it's great. And I'm, a, I have an executive coaching company and we work with a lot of, you know, people that are entrepreneurs and a lot of people that work within corporate environments. But I know for me personally, um when someone said, I've, I've had a similar kind of employment history uh, as you, <laughs> in that I, I think since I've been 21, um, I'm a few years older than that now, I had an employment history of 18 months with great people, but I just realized I'm not a good employee, right? <laughs> But and, and and also what I learned was I felt more nervous being an employee losing my job at any point. I feel like I've got way more freedom and more because because you can the flexibility you can. There's so many ways you know and you can. I'm kind of tired of the word pivot, but you can. There's so many ways to to hustle, right? Um, so I actually feel the exact opposite and I hope I'm not screwing my kids up by just saying, guys, you don't want to work for someone else. You want to work for yourself. You know, I was like, do whatever you want to do, but this is an option like you, um, Jimmy, I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't really, no one was, uh, showing me the way. Although I I did notice that people that were doing business just seemed to have more, I just felt like they had more freedom, you know, I think you got a lot more, um, opportunity and and you can contribute in different ways and and there's something i just think it's such a neat um um, way to leverage you know who you are and and and, uh and really you know kind of create the life you want so i'm just agreeing with everything you're saying Um, but that one about that stability piece i find i find uniquely interesting and just one example is i worked with some folks that worked within a, a municipal municipal government and they were, they had, you know, chosen to be there and they were contributing in incredible ways um, with the the idea that they were gonna have this, you know, this certain pension at a certain time. And things changed. And they forego uh, like a, a you know a, a deep you know, maybe a bigger salary. And and I always thought like, oh, I always feel so bad for those people because that's just that's so unfair. No one no one wanted this to happen, but it, it's the reality of what happened. People got caught. And I've, I've always thought, I just, I just, I'd rather try to make my own way. But anyway, that's, I'm, I'm preaching to
2: the choir here. Go ahead, Jimmy.
3: No, you go, please.
2: Um, I was just talking about the, uh, free- the freedom piece. It's funny because it's all how you define freedom because uh, in a way there's, there's, there's a little bit of enslavement in uh, being an entrepreneur and a business owner um, that a lot of us find ourselves in. However, like and, and that's like it's not like you can just take any day off you want and go go golfing or do you know, like there's you've got clients a team like it's but it's a different sense of like um it's choice there's a, there's a, you've got a choice because you're and, and you're building something for you or that like came from your own creative soul and the other thing i was thinking about, about freedom was just the concept of being creative like uh if you're in a let's say in a nine to five job that's not feeding your creative uh, needs, you might feel enslaved in a different type of way. But when you're problem solving and innovating and and building relationships and trying to build a business, it's a whole different type of freedom. Like I think it's a mental freedom of experimentation and uh, and choice, like you say. Anyway, Jimmy, yeah. I cut you off there.
3: No, it's fine, and it definitely keeps you on your toes every day. And it's <clears throat> in a strange way you'd think we would all burn out at one point and just wake up one day and say, forget this. And for some reason, we don't. That, I mean, that to me, the psychological part of it is just completely fascinating. Uh, You know, I've been at this literally since, you know, 1992. So almost 30 years of being scrappy and (laughs) learning it along the way. And like I said, having amazing success at it and having uh, incredible failure. And then also discovering that you're persona and grata for whatever reason all of a sudden all your clients just decide yeah we're moving on <laughs> i mean i had that happen in i think it was 2016 i had two very steady good clients that for no defined reason just decided to change direction and literally half my income was gone before i knew it and then i had to as dave said pivot and figure it out. And it's I've been scrapping ever since. And and I, you know, I'm one of those people that loosely believes in the you know the uh, the the universe is steering you in that direction, whatever it is. So I just embraced that and said, Well, this is my path. Hi,
0: I'm Steve Yurko.
1: And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, For Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more.
3: You know, what, somebody else. Go ahead.
1: What's the um, what's the reaction that you're getting as you mentor, like and, 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 you know, share this this notion that you're, you know, like I, I've, I've for years, I kind of used the notion like, you know, just Jimmy Inc or Greg Inc or Dave Inc. And I happen to have a company, but it's me. Might, I might be insert myself somewhere else. Like, you know, what I mean, like I'm my I'm my own kind of and, and my stocks higher and lower different different years, you know.
3: Yeah, I think uh, many times the reaction is sort of uh, like almost confusion, Uh, a bit of deer in headlights. Um, I don't know that I've actually spoken to anyone. They've embraced it and grabbed it and ran with it like, you know, it was like, oh, thank you so much for this information. Um, And I don't know that that would ever happen other than just feeding people options and opportunities to think outside what they've been granted and great and, or dave i don't know if you know about like the film industry but every you know a lot of people are still living with this idea that all i need to do is write a screenplay sell it and then i'll be a millionaire
2: <laughs> i'm I'm on mute but i was laughing right there that's uh the... <laughs> and that's so
3: true. maybe that's possible but so is the lottery and so is vegas getting hit by lightning
2: too it's yeah. very possible <laughs>
3: Yeah, and actually, uh, there's a filmmaker by the name of Jay Duplass and his brother, who's Mark Duplass, and one of them, I create which one did this great speech, and I believe it was at Sundance, and the for opening statement was the Calvary is not coming, <laughs> and it got you know millions of views because it really spoke the same philosophy I am, which is, uh, you know, you better grab the bull by the horns and 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 wrestle it to the ground, whatever that means, whether that means that you're going to get the nine to five job in the entertainment industry, whether you're going to leave the industry or whatever. But you know, whatever that, that means to you, you have to embrace it. And a lot of, a lot of what I've experienced in my 30 years is people are gambling. Um, And, you know, sometimes like, Oh, just go out and make a film. (laughs) Well, films cost money to make. Even if you're making it an iPhone, it's still going to cost you money, and there's resources and everything else involved. Um, and a film is a widget, so it's no different than making a new doorstop. And do you have someone that will buy that new that film or that new doorstop? Is the question. And and these uh, there's actually Greg. I, I introduced you to Alex Ferrari, uh, who is he's very Excellent much a guy. filmpreneur. Yeah. Um, and even he sort of uh, talks about this thing with, with just distribution. So. And I don't know how what what goes through anyone else's mind in our business, Um, but the more I tell people that it's a widget and think of it that way, and it's okay to think of it that way, Uh, this idea that oh I'm an artist and I'm an artist and I can't think of it that way may or may not work for you.
2: Yeah, it's it's true, and you know you can think that way. Like you could be an artist that makes films, like like film is your art, but that's not the business it's called the film business because you're making something to to create value to the audiences but also to create wealth for its stakeholders <laughs> you know it's a it is transactional and it, it probably breaks a lot of film film school students hearts when they realize that this is a business and it costs it does cost millions of dollars to put these things together um, so high stakes high dollars and there's a way to do it and it's so funny like i went to 3 years of film school we didn't learn anything about business i couldn't believe it you know, looking back on it now, it's yeah. like what a what a lost opportunity. You know, we learned yeah. how to shoot on film and edit on film. It was great, but uh, but even even going deep on budgets and uh, production coordination, uh, you know, that's that's all business approaches. You know, project management. It's like like an MBA would be a fantastic place to start if you want to get into the film industry
3: <laughs> yeah and what's interesting is so you and i we went to film school or i went to communication school but learned everything there was a lot of it is the hand on hands-on approach and certainly some of it is the philosophical approach to art like what is art and how to appreciate it and and how to understand all that stuff but i think a lot of that stuff some people are born with it some people you know like you take orson wells and hollywood's been looking for the next orson wells for the last 70 years uh you know and so they keep trying to tap into the next wunderkind uh you know and and banking on them um but you have to come at it and i totally lost my train of thought right there that was amazing because i got distracted by a boat going across the lake (laughs) ah those boats (laughs) (laughs) that's that's an okay thing to be distracted like i want to be out there Um, i I want to
1: jump in though and and just in that yes please what i was going to say that i i I think here's what I'm hearing and what you're saying, or part of what I believe you're, you're you're saying, or at least the way I'm interpreting it, is, um, and it's, I think I think more generally people come to business thinking they're going to have a slam dunk. The business should do this, they'll make you know tons of money, and you know everything's going to be wonderful. And not a pre, it be, that's a very rare occurrence, you know, just like the the you know the the person who runs the screenplay and it becomes this big, um, you know, big hit um and and i and so what what's in that is the recognition at least in my life that you, you got to continue you got to be continually working you know it's, it's not it doesn't have it's not it doesn't happen one day but I, I just feel like the more i learn the more consistent i can be uh over over a long period of time i find i start to have some some success but it's incremental right like it's yeah. just it's so small and then then when things start happening, you feel like, wow, this is great. I can't believe this is happening. But it's actually been a decade or more in the in, uh, 15 years in the making. So it's, it didn't just happen. And then so when I'm talking to new coaches that are coming out and saying, well, how did you do like how did you get to that? And it's like, well, it's not as simple as one thing. It's a series of things. And it's taken a while. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I should be further ahead. And sometimes I'm just really happy where I'm at. But it's just it's like a it's almost like and I feel like that's maybe a filmmaker is like it's a body of work. It's not just an event.
3: Yeah, and one of the things that sort of poisons the water, and even in business, I mean, if you take Mark Zuckerberg as an example, I mean, he came up with Facebook when he was still in college. And now what? He's like one of the wealthiest men in the world. And I think, and then in film, the film industry, you, you do get the uh, young filmmaker or, you know, and the young ones are the ones they always bank on and talk about in, in the media, in the press, you know, in, in the blurbs, um, is that, oh, this person, it's their first film and look how successful they are. And what that does is it it sort of crushes some of the other people trying to start a business because they feel like, oh, I should have nailed it on the first try. And, and uh, there's not a lot of press about the, you know, the 50-year-old overnight success. They're there and they exist across the board. But there's not a lot of hype about that. And, uh, you know, those of us like who are scrappers and continue to, you know, just beat the pavement as hard as we can. We hear, we hear those stories about the people that, that turned over the leaf after 30 years of trying and changed. It. I mean, the founder is thank God for a movie like that. I don't know if you've seen that, which is about oh. Roy Kroc. Um, oh has,
2: yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on Netflix. So that was excellent. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And well, he failed great. many times.
1: Great example of a guy who just, you know, working so hard and, you know, and it, and then, like I love those. I love those. That's why I think people like uh, biographies and stuff. Learning about people's lives, not just that one seminal, like that one moment in the life where the person exploded, but everything that built up to that. And and uh, wh- whether you know you take off like a rocket or not, um, it's just nice to know that it, it's not you know that like uh, good to great has this you know this one part where they talk about it became you know all these great companies. That, uh, one thing they had in common, it took 10 years to become a great company. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it just, it wasn't, they, they couldn't point to a moment. And I, I don't know. I was, I've always taken comfort in
2: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah I, 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 go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, if, if you read that book, Jimmy, uh, it's, if not, it's like, it's it's the ultimate. You you got to check that one out.
3: Good to great. I've heard about it and yeah, I've probably put it on my list. Uh, you know, I, I try to tell people that uh, I read the Steve Jobs biography, which to me, Every college student, you know, before graduating should read. I don't care what business you're in.
1: Is that the Walter Isaacson one? Yes, that? correct. Yeah, he's really, really good.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's definitely an inspiring story. Um, and yeah, Steve Jobs was one of those guys lucky enough to be, you know, and when you look at the, the dots that had to be connected to put yes. him where he was,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it makes no sense. And that's one of those ones where you go, you know, maybe the, there is something to this universe thing.
2: Yeah, 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 fair enough. Which which I think is a really nice uh kind of way to wrap us up before our, uh our, our our next guest comes on. Uh, Jimmy is we are universally connected and you and I got connected because of a uh a dialogue about being kinder to each other uh on set and in business. You know, it's um um that in that story I talked about being, uh you know being the subject of uh, you know abuse on uh, on uh, film sets, but when the the director Sidney Fury realized what was happening and realizing that I was volunteering it was my first film um, he got up on stage at the rap party and and ragged everybody out uh, for being so cruel to this this young young buck who was volunteering on his film <clears throat> and he took his hat off, put 100 bucks in it and forced and, and uh, said, this party's not starting." Again, until that hack gets full of money. So the- <laughs> and then he said something prophetic. He said, be careful how you treat the people that are working under you because uh, mark my words, you will be working for them eventually. And his little prophecy came true. I, a number, not, not the bullies, but a number of those people did work for me in, in later years. So that whole universal connected thing, uh, like that, that's not just for the film business.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's you know your love industry is, is a wonderful project to embrace and there's the chimes they're that wonderful that's beautiful uh is is wonderful to embrace and i'm pushing hard uh, for people in our industry in the film industry to uh to root out the ang the angry mean people um, and i don't understand it uh dave i know it, it exists in corporate america it exists in so many parts where mm. the the angry, mean person is at the top of the totem pole. And I don't understand it. If anyone has an answer to that, please tell me why. Why would anyone, unless they own the company, you know, look, if they're the one with the money, but a lot of them are just people got hired. And like, oh, well, let's hire the mean person who treats everybody like, why?
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: But I, I've seen, I think that there is just such, like there's on a house of cards. And I think we're seeing more and more that that house of cards just get, you know, flipped uh, or just, just crumble. And because, you know, you, you don't have, and like you see, and you see in your, your, your industry, how some of these people have been, you know, we're abusing people all along and, and it all just comes tumbling down. So I just, you know, talk about the universe kind of doing its thing, right. It just, just sometimes it takes longer than expected, but I, yeah. I honestly believe that if you're, if you're really a cruel person and being mean, like, I just wonder what kind of pain you're living in, like, with to, like, to, because, like, what a, how, how would you ever feel good about making someone, else? if I need to feel, if I need to make you, one of you feel bad to make me feel good, what's wrong with
3: me? Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're going to hold, start a whole other tangent that we go on for hours. <laughs>
2: well, well I, 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 we usually <laughs> we do, do that, go. Jimmy. We usually do that as a, uh, invite to, to bring our, our guests back for a yeah. part, to. De-
1: and can I make one, <laughs> one more? Can I make one more comment before we go? But I of just I was going to say, Jimmy, you, 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 like, there behind me is uh, the tombstones. I grew up in northern Canada, um, in the Yukon Territory, and where you're sitting right now, like, it honestly, reminds me of. of, of uh, you could be coming right from the Yukon. You know, if you told me you're up in the southern Yukon, I would have believed you.
3: Well, it's northern Idaho, so it's not too not far. Too off, far. Technically. Well, it's a few,
1: few, few, kilometers, but few kilometers.
3: Yeah. <laughs> nice meeting you, Jimmy. A pleasure meeting you as well, and thank you for listening to me banter on. Jimmy, cool.
2: thanks so much, brother, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in uh, close touch over the the coming weeks, and uh, and let's have you back on again because I, I we want to hear how the uh, how the the camera head uh, innovation yeah. comes yeah, yeah let's see
3: what your audience says too let's let's see what the, how they react to our uh, our podcast and i'd be curious to know see if they want us back or want me back
2: oh yes they will want you back jimmy of course <laughs> Mr. I mean, you, you enjoy that that uh, beautiful uh, lakefront and
3: uh, and we will see you very soon my friend thank you gentlemen appreciate it
2: see
3: you thanks jimmy. jimmy take care thanks for
0: checking out this episode of boiling point remember to rate and subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or VisionCoachingInc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.